2: Woof. What's up, Jake? Who's, who's, who's hosting this thing? That's wow. the one thing we did not talk about.
3: <laughs> I don't think we have to. I think this is a mutual, mutually assured destruction
2: here. <laughs> Jake is hosting the show. No doubt. No doubt. Jake is hosting the show. Uh, well, welcome. Hey, welcome to Bark After Dark. This is, uh, what did you call it earlier?
3: Uh, this is an exercise in self-indulgence, at least 100%. tonight. Um, it's uh, This is 10 years in the making, for those of you who are just tuning in. This is something that Jake Rowe and I have been talking about literally probably since the moment we met, uh, which was about ten years ago at this time. And yeah. um, it's kind of uh, uh, serendipitous that it would uh, kind of fall in this in this window. But excited to be here, excited to do it. A lot more to come. Uh, Uncle Glenn Hartley checking in and saying the Jake and Jake show. Uh, Tennessee man's here. That's good. I'm glad he's watching. <laughs> One of the best subscribers on the Dogs HQ channel. We appreciate him. Um, But yeah, this is the first episode and we're excited about this, man. Um, Like we said, we tried to preview this, I think, in some previous episodes of the Georgia show. There will be guests to come. There will be people to talk to in the industry. There will be stories from the road. There will be, uh, the way Jake Rowe has described it, uh, going back behind the velvet rope. That's what a lot of this is about. But tonight... It's just about an introduction uh, and a welcome to everybody who uh, is here. So we appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll see how this ship sails on night one.
2: You know, and, and Ruth, you talked about it, and obviously the reason we're doing this is because we want to, and, and we've always wanted to. But I think what allowed us to finally get it off the ground because we talked about a lot of different things, right? We talked about Prime Country Podcast.
3: Working for the same company, probably. Yes. Yeah. Well, well that, right. yeah,
2: it's, it's not. But it's not just work for the same company. We've worked for the same company for a little while now. We didn't start this right away. True. I think it was we finally kind of found a vein that we wanted to go through that kind of appeals to uh, what I feel like is our audience. And I, I talked to a lot of people that subscribe to this site uh, and to our site and to other sites and. Um, a lot of them are interested in the in, in what we do. They're interested in the industry. Um, they're interested in like, oh man, you know, when when so, you know, all of this news is going down, like what is your life like? I bet you're really busy. And I'm just kind of like, actually, man, one of the busiest times of year for us is the off season because I have to work so hard to find stuff to write and to figure stuff out right. It's mentally exhausting. Um, so I'd much rather be during the season where my work, work is cut out for me. Um, but, you know, just stuff like that. And then talking to the national writers about their kind of – I don't want to call it workflow because that sounds very, very, you know, mundane and and uh, and just uninteresting. But just kind of what they go through. What stories did they break? Crazy stories about getting information and getting crossed up. We're going to talk to you guys about all that. I'm not holding anything back because I don't work for anybody really anymore. Um, you know, kind of own part of the site, you know, over at Dogs HQ. So I don't really – you know, I don't really have anybody saying, Oh, you can't tell that. Um, you know, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna dish on Chuma Adoga at one point, you know. Like I love Chuma and he was a great kid. Chuma led me astray one time, and we're gonna talk about that. Laramie Tunsil. All right, I want to oh get into that at some point in the show. Um, we're gonna roquan we're gonna go. Smithing. I guess we'll talk Roquan Smith at some yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jake Roos's rise to fame, Roquan Smith. We'll talk about the phone conversations that happened around Roquan Smith and maybe bridges (laughs) that were burned. Okay. We're going to get to all of it and we got some interesting stuff to talk about. But the reason we're doing this also is I want to have guys that work in this industry and I want to have guys on the Georgia beat, not because we want to sit there and get them to help us sell subscriptions or or whatever. We're competing against them. They're competing against us. I hope we don't ever put them out of business and I hope everybody's mouths gets fed. Uh, But I want folks to understand what it's like when, me and Roos and Dean Leggy talk and me and Roos and, 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 uh, and Brandon Adams or Seth Emerson or Anthony Dasher or whoever we can get to come on. Cause some folks are going to need permission. Um, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk to the national guys. we want to talk to former Georgia players. Um, and you know, we're probably going to get into at some point during this episode, who would be our dream guest. If you, have suggestions,
3: if you have suggestions, we're willing to uh, take those as well. Uh, I can't promise we're going to get Quavo or Sam Jackson on here anytime soon, but uh, I know that was suggested recently. So <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, perfect segue um, here. Uh, Matthew C. says, what you drinking? This is me tonight. Um, this is uh, Hacienda de Chihuahua. It's an Anejo uh, tequila. Um, it is uh, very, very smooth uh, that is what I'm drinking. tonight. I've had to... Roos, I love beer. You know I love beer. I, I can't really drink beer anymore, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Why? So bad. It does me so bad. Yeah.
3: You got to stay in practice with the uh, suds. That's for sure. Um, and I always do. And uh, so I'm a beer guy. Um, that's something that we'll talk about over the course of this uh, it, for any number of reasons. Um, but I've got a couple beers that I'm sipping on tonight. The first one is... Appalachian Mountain Breweries, uh, Hop Raindrop IPA. First time I've tried this, man, I'm trying to try something new each week and I'm excited about that, but I got one in the reserve, which is an old standby and that's a Ham's. Um, I had fantastic PBR adjacent beer. Um, just a good old, just a good old crushable. So, um, I'll be trying some new beers every week. I'm open to suggestions. You got to realize I do live in the Appalachian mountains, so uh, you got to take it easy on me. I, we don't have total wines up here. I don't make it down there all that often. So uh, there'll probably be some weeks of Corona and Heineken as well.
2: Uh, I need to answer my man, Andy Stowe. And by the way, look at these comments, dude. I'm so flattered by the comments uh, that we've got so many already. Andy, I don't own Dogs HQ. I, I own a piece of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, But, you know, it's uh, that that's not what this is about obviously it's a startup i mean i would probably lose money right now I'll be honest with you uh but um i i'm i basically it's just kind of from a who do you answer to type situation and as long as i'm keeping it between the lines and not really embarrassing anybody which is probably a smaller percentage of the time than i would really like to admit um yeah just keeping it between the lines man y'all want a piece of this thing and we're real really excited of, about it and uh we're we're turning in the right direction this YouTube channel is trending in the right direction. Got to brag on Wes. Got to brag on Palmer, yeah, who is producing yeah. this show. Um, those guys are two of the biggest workhorses in this entire business. Um, and uh, we're glad to have them on our team. Uh, but, yeah, that's what we're drinking. Um, this is what we want to talk about. And, you know, one of the things I think, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, we want to get into everybody's origin story that we talked to. We want to see where everybody started. Um I know some of the starts of the people that we've got lined up and we're going to talk to. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, too. But um, I don't know some of them. And I'm interested to see what we know on the air. You know, can we get into a Dennis Miller interviews Joe Dirt type situation on this show? Can we just go for hours and hours and captivate the nation? That's all I want to know. And I want to try that. That's all I care about. If I could do that once, it'd be better than winning the lottery. No, I'm with you, man. I, that's.
3: It, such a big part of this job, right, is interviewing people. And to some degree, well, not even some, to the largest degree, it's mostly people who do not want to be interviewed uh, or are uh, or are told, do not give a good interview or a coach to not give a good interview. Um, so I'm excited to talk to the people who do the interviewing and find out, you know, what what the behind the scenes is on that, because that's, kind of what led me into this business, um, was getting to know you and, and learning your story and just kind of following your coattails. And I, I think that, uh, speaking of origin stories, perhaps we should dive into yours because I think, uh, well, I think it's fair that's it's, it, it's not only just fair to say, it's completely a fact that there would be no Jake Roos origin story on Bark After Dark without the Jake Rowe uh, origin story.
2: I, I kind of see it as, uh, like I was, uh, at some point I was like Forrest Gump whenever he was running across the country. And then all of a sudden, like at some point you kind of veered in and like started running beside me at one point. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, grew up in, you know, deep South Georgia, uh, Pearson, Okefenokee Swamp, Pudding Creek. Um, I'm talking about guys that they just paved the road near my house. I mean, it was, grew up on the dirt roads. Um, and, uh, Came to Georgia um, after going to Valdosta State for a year and never left. Um, You know, there's reasons for that. (laughs) Um, But I just never left. I've been here for – in August, I will have been here for 20 years. Um, I, during college, made the decision that uh, because of my circumstances, I was going to be a dad. Um, I decided, all right, man, I got to get out of school as fast as I can and make money as fast as I can benefits. so I went into education instead of journalism. That's it the
3: decision to be a dad necessarily. But what's that, that now? I, I, th- I think the decision to be a dad fell in your lap a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
2: oh yeah, I didn't decide to be a dad. I had to de- I had to decide to get into education because I was uh, I was becoming yeah. a dad. Um, but yeah, I, I had to you know, and at that time nobody was hiring journalists. Nobody was hiring a writer, and I was in magazine journalism, and I loved it, and I was getting ready to get into Grady. Um, I had applied, and I may have already gotten in. I can't even remember. I, I seem to remember getting a letter after the fact, but it just didn't matter. So I jumped in, got, a, got an education degree, um, started working. I worked at Clark Central I worked, uh, for a year. Uh, Ruth and I actually didn't cross paths there. I don't think Ruth had, had gotten out of school yet. Um, and then I worked at uh, Cedar Shoals for a few years coached some football there, um, had a great time. Coach with Mike McDonald, who is uh, now the head defensive coordinator at the Ravens. He was the wonder kid then. Um, Everybody knew kind of he was cut from something a little bit different. Uh, he just – he had a love for it, man, That some of these guys just do. They just do. It's There's they're smart people in this world, but there's people who just can't, you know, stop thinking about it, and he's one of those. Like a, Like Palmer when it comes to this job, like a dog and a tennis ball. Is what I tell Palmer about it. Palmer loves to write and he loves to create content. So, uh, right around the time I, I was fed up with teaching, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was looking for exit strategies and I kind of did it multi-pronged. I got into grad school and decided I was going to get into, uh, parks and rec- parks and recreation, get my master's degree at Georgia. And then, um, I also started trying to help some guys out over at UGA sports.com. Kip Adams, Rodney Nabolsky, we were running that side at the time. Anthony Dasher, Steve Patterson owned it. Um, And uh, guys, I didn't do a whole lot. I may have typed up a few interviews. Uh, I helped them get into contact with some coaches because, you know, being a Georgia high school football coach, I had a Georgia high school football handbook. You could get a lot of a whole of a lot of those guys. Uh, And then those guys left for ESPN at the drop of a hat right before Georgia played Boise State to begin the 2011 season. And boy, was that a letdown! And I was just standing there, and I was like. Is this, is this my exit strategy? So I started blowing Steve Patterson up. He had no choice but to kind of bring me on because at least people were kind of familiar with my name at that point. He also hired a girl named Emily Nerland, and this is part two of the miracle. Uh, Emily was from Canada. Uh, Emily was the full-time hire for Steve. I was going to be a part-time hire. I was going to have to teach, uh, continue teaching high school. And you want to talk about luck, man. And this is just complete dumb luck. I think I did a pretty good job that season, but um, tell you what, man, Emily... Was from Canada, and she had to go back to Canada. She had—I um, don't think she got—she got so busy doing the job and being in school at Georgia. <clears throat> and this was a girl that went to Dartmouth, uh, USC. Uh, she decided um, she would well, not decided. She got behind on her paperwork to to get her visa and ended up having to go back to Canada. And Steve had to hire me full time, so I quit my job teaching without a contract, becoming an independent contractor mid year, and it has been—it's all worked out since. And, um, I don't know, sometimes I think, I don't know if that was, if it just kind of took a leap of, all right, um, you're out there now, dude, you're going to have to work. Um, if it was that or what, but I think I grew up a lot having to do that. And then a couple years down the line, I met Jake Roos and, uh, I remember having the conversation with Jake Roos one day because I knew he is coming from the same spot and he was having some of the same teaching burnout that I was. And I said, Hey man, I got a plan. And, uh, well, you can tell them what the plan is. Uh, the, the
3: greatest heist of the century. I think that's yeah. what we were trying to pull off. I mean, just a swap out of, out of nowhere. Um, <clears throat> no, I, uh, yeah, Jake and I met, um, I guess I should give my, should we get into mine or do we want to just get, yeah, no, no, no,
2: no, this is where they pick up and they kind of run together. Yeah. So. Uh, I
3: come from Blue Ridge. Well, I come from McKaysville, Georgia. Um, most people, I say Blue Ridge cause most people know where Blue Ridge is. Most people don't know where McKaysville is, but it's only 15 minutes down the road, right on the Tennessee line. And that's what I call home. Um, and so I came to Athens in 05 for, uh, my freshman year. And I was, pretty actively discouraged by everybody in my life to not chase my dreams. Um, I was—I wanted to be a theater major first and then a journalism major. Those were the two things that I really was passionate about. And everybody pretty much told me that you'd never make any money doing either of those things. And so I opted to go with a safer path, which was teaching. And I thought that that was what I was going to do. I spent a lot of time preparing to do that. Um, worked in schools, all throughout college. And then ultimately got my English education degree. I graduated from Adderhall. I see my man Matthew C over there shouting that out. And um, yeah, I, uh, I I went, I, I came out, you know, it was one of those things It was so funny that like everybody was like, choose teaching, it's safe. And then the year I graduated teaching, there were, I remember there were like 13 jobs for English teachers in the entire state of Georgia yeah. and most of them in places that I had no desire to ever visit, uh, let alone live in. So, um, I moved home for a year and, uh, lived in, lived at my mom's and substitute taught at Fannin County high school where I graduated from. And I ended up back in Athens the next fall, uh, with a long-term sub gig at Winder Barrow high school, where I'd done my student teaching and, From there, um, it didn't look like it was going to work out much beyond that, so I I worked for my dad for a couple of weeks, and I put in an application at Clark County Schools, and uh, Dr. Hooker called me and said that they wanted to interview me, and I went to the interview kind of on a whim. I almost didn't go. I looked like a total jackass at my interview because (laughs) I had cut cut my um, mustache into a Fu Manchu, Uh, during November of that year, it was also the only interview that I did not wear a tie to. Um, it was, I was just kind of free balling it out there, man. I was, I was really so burnout on the whole process that I didn't care. And like a lot of things in my life, honestly, when I've made it to that point, that's when it worked out for me. Um, and so I came on halftime. I worked there, um, that spring, uh, spring of 2011 at Clark central worked there for about, uh, three and a half years after that. And I was so burnt out. Um, it was really crushing, man. It was, yeah, you were, you were
2: warming up McDonald's cheeseburgers for lunch.
3: (laughs) How dare you, how dare you bring that up? (laughs) You're pulling punches on show one. Uh, (laughs) Um, no, I, um, no, we, we did, um, You know, it was it was it was a tough time, man. It really was. I I was I was pretty down about the whole thing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I met Jake. And um, I remember I vividly remember our first meeting. Actually, we met at Normal Bar in Normal Town in Athens uh, through our mutual friend, Zach Thrower, the throw dog. And um, I remember I approached Jake and I said, hey, man, I follow you on Twitter. I see what you do. I love what you do you ever have need for an intern or somebody to write something to throw off you know let me know and he said cool yeah i'll take you up on it and um we we really just became friends first that wasn't really part of the conversation and then that fall um everything kind of changed and jake started taking me around to uh games with him um the first game we ever covered together i think if i'm remembering correctly was norcross at was north one at norcross uh, Lorenzo Carter versus Mitch Hyatt. And, um, you let me interview Mitch Hyatt. And that was the first interview I'd ever done. And it was, uh, Michael Carvel actually complimented my interview skills. I'll remember that uh, forever. Um, but yeah. And then from there I taught for another few months, you decided you were leaving and it was kind of a, well, I mean, no, we're
2: going to, we're going to get into the whole thing of it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, listen. I wasn't under contract at the time. I was working at UGA Sports when I did this, and um, the site was falling apart. I mean, it yeah. was the, the Steve was going to lose the site. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll get into that. There, that's a the whole story in and of itself. But Steve Patterson was going to lose that site, and and Roddy Nabolski's ended up taking it over, and he's done an incredible job. I mean, Roddy, Roddy's a jake work for Roddy. Roddy's a a big guy in this business. I hope we're able to have him on someday, um, and and he'll come on, and and we'll definitely return the favor for him. Um, but I was working for Steve. I didn't have a contract, and 24/7 approached me, Shannon Terry himself, and he said, "Hey, you want to come over? Um, you know, Rusty and and uh, you know Gentry think you'd be a good addition to the team." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, because I man, I'd gotten tired of competing against Rusty. I'm tired of doing it right now, um, but I'll do it every day. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll do it every day. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's he's awesome, and we love him too. But um, you know, we'll compete. Um, and hopefully we can have him on the show. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was going over to 24-7. That's when I told Roos, I said, hey, uh, I think I got a plan. <laughs> wanna, I think I can get you out of teaching. And and uh,
3: and, and, and a lot of this centered around um, for Christmas that year. I asked my dad for a plane ticket to go to San Antonio to right. the Army All-American game at the time. And um, he was kind enough to give me that for Christmas. And I think I took off <laughs> – like the first day or two back of teacher planning um to go out to the army bowl and cover that. And um that was a, that was I talk about a leap of faith thing. Like, you know, that was, you know, we, we swung, we swung pretty hard on that one, but.
2: Wasn't only leap of faith taken that week.
3: No, no, <laughs> it certainly wasn't. And um
2: no, I got back and, you know, listen, it, there's, there's things about that trip that'll never make it to public knowledge
3: of course and shouldn't uh, yeah. for the sake of many people involved uh, but i was my burnout was clear not only to me but to other people and, yeah um i, think mine was, that I and,
2: and just to let you know so that you don't feel bad mine was too
3: yeah i, like mean, I was are,
2: I, I couldn't get there i i couldn't i wasn't gonna get there a moment too soon i couldn't leave too early. Yeah. Yeah. Um I was I was you know I, I listen you didn't want me teaching your kids not because I didn't care <laughs> about them cuz I did but I just couldn't I couldn't stomach it anymore and you work with some great people and you teach some great kids but you're just yanked around nonstop about okay this matters okay this matters okay this matters and it's just something different all the time and uh those who do it kudos to you you are an absolute freaking warrior
3: a treasure Uh, There's no question about it, man. I have so many friends that I still have from those days and um, I'm so proud of them for sticking with it. I'm glad they did. And honestly, I wish that I could have to some degree, but it wasn't where I was supposed to be. I tell people all the time, I was a much better mentor than I was a teacher. Yeah. Um, Kids kids knew that, you know, they had a safe place to talk and they could kind of come with whatever and, you know, I'd be quite frankly,
2: I kind of want, want Palmer right now, though, to put on the banner down there, teaching whip Jake and Jake's ass. <laughs> Cause it did. It beat mine. Dude.
3: Oh dude. Oh, dude. It, it drove me into the ground. I was yeah. in a dark place.
2: <laughs> two months, two months in the summer, two weeks for Christmas, a week for Thanksgiving fall break, Martin Luther King Memorial day. It don't matter. It Listen, wasn't enough I, time off. I couldn't, I, I, I wouldn't teach if you had me teaching 80 days a year. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, you (laughs) teaching burnout.
3: well well done, Palmer, with the quick banner creation there. No, I, um, yeah, well, you know, I tell people all the time too, the coming back from, coming back from the holiday is almost worse. Oh, God. you spend most of your
2: holiday thinking about when you will have to go back. I Um, used to cry like my dad was about to whip me.
3: (laughs) Summer, summer ending was like a two week morning period for me. Yeah. um for sure so anyway we it, we had a great you i'll, know, I'll never
2: forget our buddy noah me and him were together and you were getting ready to go back to school and noah with his very distinct voice um yeah Russ is Roos is about to have to go back to work he's he's a mess he's <laughs> he's devastated uh and I that's was. that's that and i listen i knew exactly how he felt too like wow, that pre-planning devastated.
3: I remember though, I remember it all kind of came to a head. Um, everybody, they, they finally had a meeting with me and, um, the, the two department heads, uh, came and sat in my room and they said, Hey, you know, we know that you're kind of cutting out early. You, um, you know, we hear the kids are watching a lot of movies in your class, which was fact. And, uh, they said, so, um, what we're going to do is we're going to move you down the uh, we're going to move you down the rung. We're going to make you teach ninth grade next year. I taught 12th grade up until that point. And um, they were going to put me in ninth grade and they were going to supervise me. And I knew that you were leaving. And I thought that I had a pretty good shot at the job at UGA Sports. And so I just said that morning, um, I said, no, I'm good. I'm I'm going to go do this other thing. And, and there was a lot of like, like everybody kind of sat back and I was like, yeah, no, but you know, I appreciate you guys having me. Like, thanks for, thanks for everything. And, and sure enough, um, you know, you moved on and, uh, I was still doing some stuff behind the scenes. And I remember the day that you were hired, uh, at two, four, seven, another day, I'll never forget that I, um, <laughs> I was in your book class. Uh, when the news broke that you had switched jobs and i got a text from dash and he was like hey rose gone you're on and so i got on my school computer and i just hopped on the <laughs> I hopped on the vault and i just started posting man and I, you want to talk about, you want to talk about getting tired of getting your ass whipped by Rusty, man? I was getting my ass whipped by you. I was getting my ass whipped by Rusty, Michael Carvel, Dean Leggy, anybody who had a breath, I was getting crushed by. The only thing that I knew how to do was to try to show up as much as I could. And I could write HTML so my articles looked nice. And I had that going for me. So that was about it, man. And from there, you know, um, it all led to the Roquan. Situation, the the followings that was my first signing day on the beat, and that was a big that that changed everything. And from there, it's just all kind of been up and
2: and I'll tell you what, man, Roos hit on it, and something I think we'll probably go over a lot over the course of of our time is uh, this beat. It's the SEC. It's it's yeah, it's worse than the SEC. It's like taking the top five or six teams in the SEC and just playing each other every week. It's yep. round robin. It's ridiculous. It's it's like uh, it's like SEC baseball back in the day when the league was smaller and it was like eight of the top ten teams in the country were SEC teams. Um, everybody does a phenomenal job. You're not going to hear us talk trash about was, any of them. Not one of them because I respect them all. Even even when they report things that like you know like the AJC, the thing that's going right now, I don't agree with the way they're going about it. But whatever. That's not that's not Chip Towers doing that reporting. That's uh, some other guy um, who's thinks he's doing the right thing, and that's all we get to go on um, around here. But I, I do disagree with it, and not have a discussion with him on this show or any other platform about why I disagree with it. And I think we could do it probably uh, with a lot of civility. Um, all right, what? Uh, one question I want to ask you before we get into interviewing each other, because right, I want right. to have a yeah. chance to share this, because I do want to talk a little bit of football on this thing. What it? it how close did you get before you were like, God almighty, this is different. How close did you get? Like, you know, at what point were you just like, Holy Jesus Christ. In what
3: regard? I mean, about the job. I
2: mean, as far as like, yeah, as far as on the job, like the, how, how close did you get before you were just like these, these people may not be human.
3: Oh man. Um, I would say the army bowl probably was when I first realized it, when I got around everybody and I saw the frenzy, and, you know, it was just this, it was like a fever dream. The whole thing was, you know, for somebody who'd never been through something like that, it was unbelievable almost that it was happening in the way that it was. Um, people were moving frantically and were excited. And just, it was, it was a bizarre thing to be a part of. And, and I was with people that I was, that I'd never could have imagined seeing myself in a room with. I, I, I followed Chad Simmons from, you know, from the time I was 20 years old and suddenly I'm sitting here like looking at him. I didn't talk to him. And now he, he's a guy I work with. I talk to frequently and it's hard to believe, but yeah, that was when I I realized it was all, it was all very different. And I, I loved it and um, I, I developed a passion for it and, I decided to chase it and since then my passions have changed a lot and but i've never really lost my love for the industry and and the people especially in the industry the kids have changed a lot nil has changed things a lot you know it's it's a different world in that respect um but you know for the most part it's it's been a dream and i i remember i told roddy one time i think it was when we were walking into lsu back in the day and i I said i said you know if i never got to do this again I would never, I would never feel any ill will because I got to do it once. Yeah,
2: yeah, I got to see a lot of things through this job that I wouldn't have gotten to see otherwise. Um, it's it's a really cool job. We're really lucky to have been at the right place in the right time yeah. to uh, to do this. And that's not to say that I don't complain about it sometimes. When we got bait and switched in Miami last year, that sucked because uh, it was already going to suck that we were there for two fifteen minute periods, and then they took those away. Um, you know, and, and honestly, you were you were also sitting there like, should I go early? Should I not go early? Um, then you just I don't know, you just felt duped by it. But you know, we made the best of it going on a little fishing trip. Hopefully we can have one of those guys uh, that was on that fishing trip. Palmer was on both fishing trips we ever went on. One was a dud, one was amazing. Um one we just drank a lot of beer, or I drank a lot of beer, and then the other uh other we didn't drink any beer, but we caught a lot of fish. Um, but yeah, we all hang out together on the beat. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's the thing. I, that, it's and that's politics what, and pro wrestling is what it is.
3: That's part of what this show is. I, I hope about is like yeah. the idea that like, listen, you know, people can think whatever they want about, you know, why I chose to move to dogs HQ. It wasn't because I didn't like the people that I worked with. I love those guys. I respect those guys. I love, I love rusty. I love Chad. I love uh, Dean, um, you know, uh, Brooks is a great guy. I mean, these are all people that I've I've run into over the years, and that I have developed a, a healthy respect for, and in most cases, a, a friendship with. Um, you yeah. know, we see each other out, and, and we spend time together, and it's it's it, it, it feel it looks competitive from the outside. It's it's not
2: nearly as nasty as it seems. It's, it's not nasty at all. It's really just it's just competitive, is what it, it is. is. It's 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 really good, clean competition. Um, and and we kind of get after each other a little bit, try to you know, uh, beat them to some stuff. We beat them to some stuff today. We got Marvin Jones, uh, um, feel real good about that. Marvin good Jones, result. Result. I don't feel good about Marvin Jones being hurt, okay? But I will say this, uh, for those of you tuning in, a uh, little, little Georgia scoop on Marvin Jones, guys. He came in as far as I know with this injury, or at least it's partially this injury. He's been dealing with this thing since preseason camp. The fact that number seven. True freshman number seven Marvin Jones, uh, practiced and played all year long. Um, should make you optimistic about his future because he Warrior. put it on the line. He, he yeah he he would they had to limit him in practice because his shoulder was coming out. I mean he's a labrum issue. Uh, he was sublexing like. Uh, he was sublexing like Mr. Perfect was suplexing. Um, he was uh, and, uh listen, we we hope to get into some professional wrestling stuff around here. It's I mean I'm going to tell you right now, I can assure you. If is the ultimate warrior dead, he's yeah. dead, right? Yeah. yeah, that would be my dream guy I have on here. Kyle Brandt kind of acts like he's the, you know, he's the uh, from the NFL network. He kind of acts like he's the ultimate warrior guy. I'm the original Ultimate Warrior guy, okay? <laughs> Kyle Brandt don't know – I mean, I almost cursed in a way I shouldn't curse on this show. Kyle, Kyle, he don't know nothing about the Ultimate Warrior like I do. He, did he have an Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy um, back in, like, 1991? Probably. I had the Hogan. I had the Hogan and Savage. Yeah, I had Ultimate Warrior. Uh, so uh, – but, yeah, we'll get into all that stuff, but – um. Love this job. Love this beat. Roosh. So let's get into some questions. Um, I'll let you start off since you want to interview me, because I really don't know what you're going to do here, and I'm scared.
3: Well, and I love you too, buddy. I mean, like I said, listen, I, I, I've got to say this, since it's show one, and we're talking about origin stories, I owe everything that I, I have become to Jake for putting me into this position. You put me into this position. J- Roddy was a, as great of a mentor as I could have possibly ever had in this business, but you know, and, and thank God that he kept me on uh, when he when he didn't have to, certainly. But um you you really helped me out. You threw me a lifeline and, and I, I really appreciate it, man. Oh
2: man, f- you got it, dude. It's it's <laughs> I'm I'm glad you're here. It's we've had a lot since we're gonna have a lot more fun together now that we <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, together. we're
3: gonna we're gonna interview all these people that come on, right? We're gonna ask them some some standard questions, but we decided as part of tonight's uh kickoff that we would um interview each other. So I'm going to open mine up uh, here with my, my first question for Jake Rowe. And um, something that you may also learn about me over the course of the, this is that I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Oh, God. And uh, so um, I'm going to say, uh, my, for my, so my first question for you, Jake Rowe, is assuming that uh, reincarnation is real, what do you hope to come back
0: as?
2: Um, same guy. Uh, i want to come back as myself and i'm gonna um listen i am i am a fool about my children okay like i have my son at home all day today because strep's been tearing its way through our house and i have my son at home all day today and that dude runs through my door and he jumps in my lap and he says daddy tax and the daddy tax is just he has to come up and like give me a hug or or you know just give me some cuddles or some loves or whatever um, So I love my kids, but if I got a chance to re- be reincarnated, and come back, I'd come back and have no kids. Um, I, would, I, I would come back. I would travel the entire world. I would have had, I would have had an entire life to live with my children. Um, I love them very much. They can be somebody else's kids in the other life. They would probably want to come back as like a turtle in a sloth. So that's cool for them. But for me, I'm going to come back and I'm going to hit every continent, And, uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'll probably be, I'll probably be fatter to be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to come back and I'll try to, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to live the life of Andrew Zimmern and, uh, and, uh, Anthony Bourdain, um, pre whatever, and, uh, go travel the world and eat. Because well, that's uh, something. That is something that Jake Roos and I have completely, utterly bonded over is our love of food, no um, and we do love to find a good meal. We've eaten at some pretty iconic places together, St. Elmo's. Yes, um, you know Hyman's over in uh, Charleston, even though that's a tourist trap, we know, but uh, still pretty good. So. Love the heat, though. Love um, the heat. Love <laughs> the heat. Uh,
3: well, at least we know now that your kids um, will have something to show in therapy when they go. <laughs> when the- <laughs>
2: I love them to death. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade them for anything in this
1: life. Yeah.
2: I became me. a dad real young. Okay. I understand. Um, all right, Roos, I got one simple for you and it's also family related. You think you're ever going to get married? I, I kind of doubt it, man.
3: Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've um, had some great relationships. I've got a great relationship right now. And, uh, but you know there's a part of me that that does enjoy you know my me time and so uh we'll see i don't know man i um i never say never to anything um that's that's kind of been my firm stance it's like uh what do they say uh, if you want to if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans right yeah. and so i feel like when you be definitive about anything you can't say that so um, we'll see, man. And may, maybe it's in the cards for old Roos. Uh, I hate
2: but. to I hate to pull rank here, but since you're talking to your boss, technically, you should probably say you're married to the job.
3: Yeah, right. No, I'm married to the grind.
2: Yeah. Um, married married yeah. to the grindstone. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: I don't know, man. We'll see. That's it. You know, that's something for the future and, and Lord have mercy. If I'd tried to predict my future, boy, I would have lost every dollar I ever had. So. I don't know about that one. Um, let's see. Uh all right. So Jake Rowe, the three albums you've listened to the most in your life.
2: Well, I mean, you know number one. Number Do one's I? number one's Fairweather Johnson.
3: The, oh hootie yes and blowfish, hootie and the blowfish
2: yeah. class and, and, and listen that's the crack the cracker review album is the one everybody's crazy about fairweather johnson connects with me in a way that no album ever has i don't know if it just came along the right part of my life but it's probably uh, and, and, and honestly i'm not a hootie fanatic i've never seen them live i love their music but it's probably fairweather johnson number one and cracker review number two my cousin and i Christopher Cravy shout out Florida fan we used to ride down the strip at Fernandina Beach on junior senior weekend and any other time we could go cuz i lived an hour and a half 2 hours from Fernandina Beach we used to ride that strip and he had a he had a couple of kicker tens in his truck and we would listen to hold my hand and let that bass drop um and <laughs> Boy, over and over we thought we were drop. something <laughs> we saw so- we thought we were something dude i sat in the passenger seat of that thing because my truck was i had like a small truck and he had like a gmc had like a, uh, a sierra and i had so my my right arm was so much darker than my ride what are we doing we're at the beach right just wasting gas riding up and down the street like a couple of just morons meatheads um and uh a girl worried about us but we were we were thumping that bass to that hold my hand back in like 2001 uh you know 1999 um yeah what a what an awkward time i look back and i cringe i i got to go do that era over again if i'm that's one of the reasons i'd come back as a human to be honest with you um and then i don't know man number 3 i love country music and i always have but I would say number three probably was has came much more recent in life, and it's probably Southeastern by Jason Isbell.
3: Oh, good um, I've
2: listened to that album. Uh, I had a friend, uh, a kid named Carlton Taft, who several years ago took his own life. And there's a song on that album that makes me think about him from time to time. And I enjoy that. I enjoy thinking about him because we had a lot of good times together, and I hate to kind of make a bummer out of this. Uh, but, yeah, probably – but but more than just that, I mean, Jason Isbell is awesome. He's an incredible lyricist. And, uh, you know, I, I think we both kind of share that together is we may like music to a different level. You probably like it a lot more than I have. I do. Um, but at the same time, like, we, we, we do kind of dig lyrics, uh, probably the writer uh, in both of us, even though you're much better at it than I am. I, I just uh, – yeah, I like Jason Isbell a lot too, so – I've also listened to that Chris Stapleton Traveler album a lot too. I've sung that oh, album to my kids much, yeah. to get them to sleep uh, many times. I had my oldest uh, – my, my sorry, not my oldest, my seven-year-old daughter. I would just uh, – she had colic when she was little. She was so bad. The only thing I could do was flip that – out. I would throw the Traveler album on and flip my phone, just throw my phone into the car carrier with her and just be like, God, just be quiet. <laughs> and uh, she loved it. She listened to it, still sing Tennessee Whiskey to her this day so anyway, great choices yeah yeah I mean uh, just give me your number one what's your number one not even one of my questions just i am I'm gonna
3: one. I'm gonna say probably my the, the album I've listened to most in my life because I used to listen to it every single time in college that I drove to and from Athens and I'd listened I've listened to it a hundred thousand times since then is um, third eye blind's debut album yeah. I've listened to that album, titled, right? I, yeah. Self-titled. I've worn, I have worn that album absolutely out. Um, yeah. It was just like a perfect album for that time in my life. And um, I, I listened to it like crazy. Garth Brooks double live is up there for sure. Um,
2: I won that in a white elephant Christmas game.
3: A great, a great choice.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
3: Um, and then there's, there's a lot of like, a, a lot of the stuff I listened to back then, there was a lot of, uh emo music I, I was into dashboard confessional really heavily brand new uh,
0: <laughs> broad eyes
3: um uh matthew c over here talking about you too i'm a huge U two fan um yeah there's i'm I'm a, I'm a big music nerd for sure and i'm always looking for new stuff so um but yeah i would say third eye blind has definitely got a shot at that at the title for me
2: yeah that, uh, that is a good album. And I listen to that. was the same era that I, I you know, I kind of grew up listening to uh, the whole pop rocks thing. And dude, you flip on XM and you flip oh, on yeah. pop rocks. I mean, you can just, I mean, like three out of four are just bangers. Um, I do love that era. But, but Roos and I also, it's funny that we didn't bring up any of this. And I think it was because we listened to everything was we are prime country fanatics. We've taken some, Yeah, we've taken some road <laughs> trips together and we've discussed the ins and outs of why Indian Outlaw um you just don't hear it like you used to. Uh there's a reason. Um and 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 also how, how just how much, you know, excuse my French, how much bullshit it is. Because yeah, sure. it is. It is ab I mean Tim McGraw whoever wrote that song's a liar. <laughs> whoever wrote the Indian Outlaw, I mean, you know, Come buffalo. on this pod,
3: come on, come on this podcast, and defend yourself. Deer there is no buffalo. way you were shooting that thing from a hundred yards.
2: Yeah, from a from a, with, a, a with a hickory boat.
1: Bow.
2: <laughs> We're not talking about a PSC compound here, brother. We're talking about a hickory bow. I mean, uh, and listen, I do love Rush, but I have not listened to albums all the way through of Rush. I'm I'm a big time Rush fan. Um, that is my
1: dad's a
3: huge, my dad's a huge Rush fan.
2: Yeah. Get a little, get a little Neil Pert up in you. I'm seeing,
3: uh, I'm seeing some mentions of Nirvana, Bush, Stained, STP. Uh, Nirvana was probably the band that had the largest effect on my life. Uh, no band has ever changed my hey, life. You know who's like a big Nirvana. STP
2: fan? You know who's a big S- Rusty Mansell, <laughs> big STP fan. I can see it, man. Yeah.
3: I can see it. One of my classic stories about my dad is he used to go into Radio Shacks and grab the megaphone and go arr, arr, like <laughs> into the into the megaphone.
2: Dude, I, I can picture Rusty Mansell with a headband, aviators, <laughs> sleeveless T-shirt, cut-off jeans, and uh, and Interstate Love Song. My oh man, my, my man,
3: woof 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 over here mentioned Tom T Hall. Now you're getting into my mm, that 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 old school, you know, singer songwriter country. I'm, I'm big into that. Marty Robbins, I've been into a lot lately. Um, I've been into some weird stuff lately.
2: Yeah, uh, I must yeah, do a I, lot of
3: work this week.
2: I do flip on some rush occasionally when I'm working at your house. We gotta get moving though. Um <laughs> Bruce, uh most memorable halftime show you've ever witnessed.
3: Who um, <laughs> mm, I would have to say the um uh Stratford Academy in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Perhaps. I don't it wasn't Stratford
2: Academy, it was uh or what was uh, Stratford? It was just was Stratford Stratford High School, yeah. It was Jacob Park. It was Jacob Parks' high school, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, that one's up there for sure. Um, that was I was not prepared for their Willy Wonka theme um, for a number of reasons. No. I wasn't prepared for them. Um, I will say when uh, when Southern came to play, yeah, that was a good at one. Georgia was a, an incredible one though. Um, that was and that game. It's such a shame. I mean that that game gets so overshadowed by the tragic injury of, of Devin Gales in mm-hmm. that one, um, and which I was standing about six feet away from where that all happened. And it was really horrible to watch that all play out. Um, but that was an incredible one for sure. Um, I gotta tell you, um, I I love the red coats. I'm a huge red coats guy. Shout out. They do a great job. I do not think it's, uh, I do not think the spell Georgia cheer is one of the most exciting things on earth. Um, I think that, uh, it's overhyped and maybe, uh, Maybe I don't I'm not saying drop it, but we got to quit over hyping it over on the uh, over the loudspeaker.
2: What? um
3: The Frisbee catching dogs, always a classic. Also, too, I will say shout out the basketball game. The girl with the plates.
2: Yeah. Red China.
3: Dude, unbelievable. Red Panda, isn't it?
2: Red Panda. Red China Panda. Panda. Yeah.
3: Red Panda Panda is incredible, dude.
2: I don't know what her name is, but yeah, yeah, she's awesome.
3: Yeah, that's 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 unbelievable to me. Like, I'm watching superhuman basketball players out there, and I'm like, forget what they're doing. How is she doing this many plays?
2: <laughs> yeah, she, dude, she's so great that you see sports writers just bring her up from time to time. Like, Rand, Red Panda's here tonight! You know? <laughs> Absolutely. They're just so fired up. It's, it's, it's like that dude that, I don't know, I was about to get into a deep, dark Twitter hole. Roos and I have recently found out we have one of the same habits, which was we flip on Facebook, we find the reels, and then we just scroll reels for hours, um, when we should be probably be sleeping or working ahead and getting some content ready uh, for the next day. For the next day. Uh, all right, you're up. All right, I'm up. Um, all right, this one I think
3: should be pretty easy for you. Jake Rose' perfect steakhouse meal is what?
2: A ribeye. Um, Got to have a ribeye. Uh, I'm I, I don't I'm not necessarily a bone in guy. It gets, okay. it just gets a little bit too much. Now, I have at as fine establishment as St. Elmo's picked up the bone and just eat the rest of the steak off the bone. I don't see it. Huh? <laughs> I see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. I mean, like, if I'm going to pay $60 a la carte for a steak, I'm going to eat it however I want to. And that's how, the, that's what the bartender told me before the Notre Dame game, the Friday before Notre Dame. Um, Yes, Senator Blutarski, by the way, on Bark After Dark, we would love that. Senator, if you can reach out to us, your people need to talk to our people. Bring it Um, on. You know, we'll leave the lobbyists out of it. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a ribeye. You know, listen. What temp? What temp? Oh, it's, it's somewhere between rare and medium rare. Um, if it's rare, I don't mind. If it's medium rare, I don't mind. Um, it's it's I've I've got a big window there, but I I don't and I'll eat it if it's overcooked, man. To be honest with you, I mean beef's beef. If beef. It's good beef. It's good beef. I just uh, David Paschal, who has covered Georgia for a long time, and also one of my favorite people. We got to have him on as well. We absolutely. That, that's it. the We're first welcome. time I've thought of that. Let's <laughs> write this down. Um, David Paschal is, is a is a character, and he had me on his radio show one time. And I was on the way to Nashville to cover the Vanderbilt game. And I said, Well, David, first thing I'm gonna do when I get there is I'm gonna get a little piece of beef in my belly. And he still walks up to me this day, he goes, Hey man, you got some beef in that belly? Um yeah, Pascal's Pascal the Cookie Monster, uh producer Palmer's telling us uh David Pascal wants to eat nine cookies in the first quarter of a Kentucky game. Uh David Pascal's also 5'11, 140 pounds. Uh so he's he's definitely on the on the lean side. Uh, right, so I got, I got
3: a I'm, light, medium, rare ribeye so far.
2: Yeah, the first, but before the meal, I want an Outback or a Longhorn house salad with Thousand Island dressing. I don't, I don't care how nice the steakhouse I'm at. I need that salad because that salad right there is is home to me. That's like going to Philip 76 Restaurant on Highway 82 in Pearson, hitting a salad bargain at Thousand Island dressing. That was the best part about going to the steakhouse. Okay. And then um as far as the thing goes, whatever tater they got, man. I mean, if it's good mashed potatoes, if it's if it's good steak fries, I'm Not a big baked. fan of the I'm a big fan of the Arata crispy crowns here at the house when I make them with the Chick-fil-A tater tots. Mm. Oh yeah. Different dipping sauces. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm big into that, but I do love a good mashed potato as well. So, um loaded baked potato also works well. There's also a thing I have recipe, write this down folks. A cup. All it takes is uh, is a couple tablespoons of butter, a cup of rice, one can of beef consommé, one can of French onion. Throw it in a thing, put it bake it in the oven for forty minutes on four hundred. Uh, my friends call it row rice because I told them about the recipe and they love it. Uh, but uh, we eat that a lot with steak as well. So, but I do love beef. I've got but about cream, a, cream spinach. No, nah, not a cream spinach guy. Oh, I'm a big cream spinach guy, man. No, I'd rather have some mushrooms of some sort, um, okay. uh, psilocybin. What you okay. Now what are you,
3: what are you drinking? What are you drinking at the steakhouse?
2: Well, I mean, we've been there, we've been to Oak Steakhouse in, uh, in Nashville and I'm kind of all over the place, you know, let's start out with a whiskey neat. Um, you know, probably a, a good, you know, if we're going to a nice steakhouse, let's start with a whiskey neat and then, um, we'll switch in we'll cool off the chest a little bit with a good cold beer. And then uh once the meal comes, good red wine, preferably a Malbec.
3: I'm a big, I'm a big red wine guy with my steak. Gotta have yeah. one. I mean, yeah, and I'm not a, and I'm not a steak guy. You're a you're a much bigger steak guy than I am. Yeah. Um but I, but I appreciate a good steak.
2: And you're I mean, listen, I I love you. I love you, and you got a good palate, but you're you're kind of a basic guy when it comes to steak too. You just you like the filet. I do, I do. Right. I am just not into
3: big I'm just not into big chunks of meat to be yeah. honest with you. I'm more into the sides. I, I'm a big sides guy.
2: Yeah, and, and and I'm in it. I go to a steakhouse understanding that when I'm done with this, it's gonna be like I just ran a mile. Yeah, sure. And <laughs> I'll nice. actually need to run a mile, but I'll it'll be it'll feel as if I uh needed. I am not a tin. Tend- I am listened
3: I will I am gonna fight Dylan Brooks because he just said Roos loves the chicken tendies. I am not a chicken tender person. Jake Rowe will tell you that right now. I am definitely not a chicken tender person. I am I am an adventurous eater. I love everything. Just, steak's just not my thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's very much true. This guy eats a lot of chicken, though. It's just not tenders, yeah. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah, and this dude, dude's figure. way more adventurous than I am. This dude's eating all sorts of like backwoods. Uh, ancient Indian recipe stuff that <laughs> I just, I can't do. Like I, I can't do Indian and most Thai and stuff like that. That, that stuff kind of messes with me, but I'll eat any seafood you throw in front of me octopus. It doesn't matter. And we'll fry, eat it raw.
3: Fry it and throw it into, into J. Crow's face. Tell him it came from the ocean and he will eat all of it. I, I mean, it. you don't
2: have to fry it. You can blacken it. It doesn't really matter. you the raw. I mean, whatever. I mean, I'd, Ruth saw me house about four dozen raw oysters one time at Two D Seafood.
3: Oh boy, yes, the yeah.
2: Oysters. So yeah, we we eat. That's one of the things we first thing. And 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 I've you know, one of the things I'll get into eventually is I've got routines when I go to certain places on the road. Like Palmer will tell you, I've got a set routine on what I'm doing when I go to Jacksonville, Florida, um, because that uh, that's the only thing that makes that trip bearable anymore. Because Jacksonville sucks.
3: No, not, untrue. You still got. You still got. Uh, this, this, you still got Brian's giant subs, man. Yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. You got to do those things
3: to make it taller. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's no question about yeah, it. I you thought did. you were just saying two dudes seafood. I was like, no, nah, you still got, you still got but that. But I will say, I food. flew
2: to Florida last year, and that replaces if I can't go to Brian's giant subs on the way down in Dublin, then flying's a good, you know, that's a good. If
3: Brian's Giant Subs wants to sponsor this show, please reach out. We will, we will hype you. We, we, you don't even have to pay us. Just give us some swag or something, man. Mail me one of those sandwiches and I'll talk about it on the air.
2: Yeah, Brian's Giant Subs, Dublin, Georgia. Go check it out. Um get the Brian special, tell them we sent you. Uh all right, Rosa, not as not nearly as it uh, as adventurous as you on this particular question. Uh what? Who is the best player you've ever seen with your own two eyes?
3: Ooh, um, boy, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I've got some favorites. I mean, I've got some people that I really loved and enjoyed watching play but best of all time that I've ever personally seen up close. Oh, gosh, that is tough, 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 Jake. Um, Oh, uh, no, actually, it just came to me. Uh, It was Darnell Washington in high school. Darnell Washington, watching Darnell Washington, (laughs) Darnell Washington was the size that he was. was You just pulled the Mel
2: Tucker. What you just did, you just pulled the Mel Tucker, because when Mel Tucker talked about Stetson Bennett, he said Stetson Bennett's full name, Three times before ever launching into a (laughs) sentence. And you just did the same thing. I'm buying time here. No, Washington
3: was absolutely insane to watch at a high school level because he was as big then as he is now. And to watch a guy that... a little
2: heavier. Maybe even a little heavier.
3: Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But to watch a guy that size play against high school kids. I mean, it was, it was like, it was, it was a a joke, man. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think I took that picture if I'm not mistaken. Um, But I, it was, it was an, it was a, it was menacing, dude. It was like watching, it was like watching a 30 year old man play against five-year-old kids. I mean, he was just absolutely swatting people. He did whatever he wanted to the entire game. And I don't know that I've ever seen anybody on either on any level do it the way that Darnell Washington did. Um, you know, there have been some other great ones for sure. Guys are shouting guys out. Roquan Smith, uh, you know, A.J. Green was amazing. I, I remember Todd Gurley housing the opening kickoff against Buffalo in his freshman season and being like, whoa, who is this guy?
2: Do you remember, all, do you remember the night uh, that Todd Gurley housed the opening kickoff after coming back from that suspension against Auburn?
3: I do, and I remember actually, If and you can go back and ask Noah about this, I told Noah what was going to happen. I said the most Georgia thing possible would be for Todd Gurley to return to, from the suspension, play one game, and blow his knee out, and he sure as shit did, and I sat in salsa that
2: night. Yeah, I was. Uh, you knew I wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> yeah, Roos was sitting between myself and Paul Meharry from UGA Sports, Roos and Paul Meharry working together. Roos went and made himself a big plate of chips and salsa at halftime, and then came right back in and sat in it. Um, yeah, not one of my. And, and we're ones. talking about like the, the we're talking about like the big absolutely. chunks of onion and pepper in it, and it's just like just, just falling off through my it. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just all um, of them. Um but yeah. I would say Todd Gurley at the college level, at the high school level, I saw Champ Bailey, and I Ooh. saw Charles Grant, and I would have to give the nod to Charles Grant. I watched Charles Grant break off an eighty-yard touchdown run come up with a hamstring got the guy ran him down and he just stiff armed him snapped his head back and then the kid went to get up to try and run after him again and then just kind of like fell down again and never tried cuz he didn't want to go get embarrassed again and then Charles Grant didn't come out in the second half
3: at the college at the college level um I will say probably For me personally, I mean, Gurley was uh, incredible, and it's probably Gurley, but outside of him, like two guys that I just loved playing and were probably like my two favorite Georgia players when I was in school or even past that. uh, Alec Ogletree was uh, so great to watch. Um, I loved his game. And then Greg Blue just destroyed people, man, and I loved everything about it. He was – you just don't get to watch a lot of guys play like that anymore, and it was so cool to see that. So, um, I would definitely say th- those guys get nods at least in terms of guys that I just flat out enjoyed watching their game.
2: Yeah, 100%. all
3: right. Yeah, we got it. we we go we go on we go on for
2: round four. Are we gonna I don't you tell me. Yeah, let's go round four. All right, round four, round four. I all mean, hey, right. yeah, listen, these folks can stop listening to us anytime they want. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so
3: this is one that i i hope that we're gonna get to ask some future guests as well but i am really curious because i don't think you ever answered this for me what is the worst hotel room you have ever stayed in
2: uh this is not hard um, <laughs> it's, it, never, it, hard. it's it, never hard it's never hard that's never i've stay stayed well so okay yeah the that is kind of hard uh Okay, I'll go with the worst hotel I've ever stayed in, and then the worst hotel I've ever stayed in on the job. Worst hotel I've ever stayed in was in Boulder, Colorado, 2010. I went out to see the Georgia, Colorado game, and me and nine other people stayed in a roadway in. Um, now it made it easier that there was nine of us in there because I didn't feel like a complete loser degenerate. But you know how these, you know, you know how these towns gouge for hotel rooms sure. when when you go in. And I think that thing was like 330 bucks a night. Um, and, uh, I had a buddy, um, Nate Lekahal, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a real good friend of mine. Um, you know, got married here a couple years ago, just welcomed his first child into the world, uh, in September, I believe it was. Um, and, uh, he lived out, he was from Aurora, Colorado. He was from, uh, uh, you know, the Denver suburbs. And, uh, we went out there to spend time with him, went to the, stayed at the roadway, dude, the roadway in was awful. Okay. I, um, there's, there's pictures of me. Um, I had to, I needed some chemical help to go to sleep that night. Um, it was, uh, I think the floor was cleaner than the bed, um, which is where I slept. Um, worst hotel I stayed at on the job was Memphis for the Liberty bowl. Um, when Kirby and company went to TCU, uh, I was, listen, I was a good boy. I was a good boy back then. I was like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll save the money. I'll save the company as much money as I can on these hotels. That was the last day of that, okay? Because yeah. I stayed at the Holiday Inn, and it was like $108 a night. And I was like, man, Holiday Inns are good. Well, this one was under construction. And not only was it under construction, I feared for my life every single time I made it to that parking lot. So one of those two.
3: Mine, mine's, mine's easy. That's um, why I came up with the question, uh, because I'll never forget it. It was uh, home of Louisiana. I had traveled down to see Mason Smith, and I was staying in a red roof inn and i got in i got in my other my other worst one would have also been a red roof in in jacksonville but the one in homa i got in i drove over from my dad's house uh in gulf shores he took me to the mobile airport and i rented a car i drove it to homa which was about a three and a half four hour drive i got in at about two in the morning and i had to go meet the kid at like six or seven in the morning it was early and um I got into the room, there was visible trash, uh, The um, there was blood all over the sheets um, when I pulled the comforter back, so I just put the comforter back, and I slept on top of that, and then the next morning, I plugged the hairdryer in, and it caught on fire, oh so, <laughs> so uh, that was easily the worst one, Not not even close.
2: <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and book in this thing. Nicest hotel you've ever stayed in.
3: Oh, easy for me. Uh, it was, uh, in, in Vegas. Um, my, I was like 20, 21 years old and, um, we had rented, I was 21. I was substitute teaching and I'd saved my money all year. And we went out to stay in Vegas It was me and uh, Noah and a couple of our other friends. And we went to, uh, at the time the newly opened pH towers, And we got there and a couple of our buddies, their dads were doctors. And so they used their father's names to book the hotel and they upgraded us. And I'll never forget. I mean, there was like six people. It was like a three person room or something like that. There was like six of us, six or seven of us. We take the, we take the floor or we take the elevator all the way up to the 41st floor, which was the highest floor. We we start walking out this hallway and we realized that down at the end of the hallway, There's a double door and we're checking the the numbers. We're checking the numbers and we're like, none of these rooms are, and we're like, uh, it suddenly dawns on us. And it's like the double door is where we're headed. And it was like out of the real world, man. Drop down, drop down screens, views of the, uh, views of the strip, uh, hot tub overlooking the strip, uh, you know, in suite uh, dishwasher, kitchenette, like just, I mean, it was bananas dude it was one of the great one of the great weeks of my life was staying in that room with with those friends and uh having that time it not even a thought for me
2: for the longest time for me it was the hyatt regency i went there on a y club trip when i was 17 years old and uh they left the key to the mini bar and me and my buddy immediately (laughs) got into it and i'm over there just just throwing back gray goose uh shooters then my buddy just grabs this card and he starts looking at it and then he just goes, is it's like Drew Carey on The prices Right, Bob Bar. He just throws it. And I said, <laughs> "What? Well, what was that all about?" And he goes, "He goes, you just, you just drank, you just drank sixty dollars worth of liquor." <laughs> I was, oh my god, um, yeah. So we had to, uh, we had to uh, fill him up with water bottles and get some super glue. And, uh, put, we, we went to the CVS across the way in Atlanta, got some super glue, glued the little tabs back up to them to make them look like they were sealed. We never heard a word about it, um, which was awesome. Um, but since then, uh, I would say we had a, we had a similar situation where we got upgraded to a suite at the Omni in Jacksonville on the river. I believe it was the Omni. Um, but we ended up with like 13 people in there um, one year whenever I was a student. So, uh, and I had just had knee surgery. I'd had my quad tendon repaired. Um, and I was kind of part-time working in this industry, working not in this industry. So that one was a cool room, but it wasn't the cool experience. The Lowe's Vanderbilt hotel is the, is the bomb. And when I worked at 24 seven sports, we had an Amex connection, CBS travel agency where some, for some reason that hotel was always like 160 bucks a night. Um, when we wanted to book it, and I booked it every single time I could, and I've had some good times downstairs in that bar, and uh, you know, good good meals at that place, uh, Lowe's Vanderbilt Hotel, awesome. Uh, I've never splurged real big for an hotel room though. Also, I will say this: the JW Marriott last year for the national championship, very band. nice, A very nice hotel, Thank and you. one I'll of the most good. killer atmospheres I've ever experienced in my entire life. Thank you to the JW Marriott for
3: letting my friend Matt Wright sleep on the floor. Uh, we didn't ask them about that, but we just did it, and I appreciate everybody who paid for that.
2: Listen, if you, if you went to the national championship game, if you went to the first of, of these back-to-back championships by Roos and I's alma mater, um, you, uh, and you went to the JW Marriott, any of those nights leading up to the national championship game, you had a good time. No You question. had a good time, because let me tell you something. There were some days I didn't feel like having a good time, and I had a good time. So, um, it was, it was incredible. Just like this show has been, it's been fun and it's really just the tip of the iceberg. We yeah. got a lot more to come. We didn't even get through all of our questions. Um, <laughs> next week tentatively, cause I, I always pause to do this cause I know everybody's got lives and we got, you know, COVID and strep and flus and everything like that going around Ross Dellinger from sports illustrated, one Very of my cool. favorite people in this entire freaking world. Okay. Okay. Ross is the most. If there's anybody in this business that shouldn't be down to earth, it is like six foot three, you know, two hundred twenty pound. Looks like he could play tight end in in college or defensive end in college football right now. Outside linebacker Ross Dillinger, he's a phenomenal rider. He breaks a ton of stories. Um, if there's more of a, if there's a guy that should be unapproachable, all right, he looks like a dipshit there, but. Uh, <laughs> If there is a guy that was would not be relatable in this in this industry, it would be Ross. He's totally relatable, totally good guy. He's gonna have a drink with us next uh, next Saturday. Uh, you know, don't come on Saturday, come on Monday. Yeah. Um, Ross is supposed to join us next week. We got Andy Staples lined up for March, um, and uh, we're filling in the gaps from there. Um, you know, those are two of our favorites. so We're gonna talk to them, and uh, you know, if you can sneak some little encouragement to uh, to the guys you know in this business, in this beat. Tell them, hey, we want to see you come on the Bark After Dark. We're not going to get into Dogs HQ versus Dog Post versus Dogs 24-7. We just want to talk and hang out and have a good time. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening and for uh, joining us tonight. We appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, guys.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all.